morning. When things are going well in life and you talk to somebody and uh, exchange what's going on, oftentimes you'll hear uh, some of the following phrases. I'm living the dream right now. Life is going really well for me. Or I'm in a good spot or life is a riot. That's kind of a Minnesota thing. Life is a riot. I don't know why that is indicative of a good life, but I've heard that over there a lot in the Twin Cities. Um, I, I like this one. Someone will say, how's it going? I'll say, if I was doing any better, I'd be you. Every time I do that, they look at me, what? <laughs> Think about it for a minute. I'm living the American dream. I'm fond. Or I'm, I found my place in the sun. I'm in the lap of luxury. I'm, I'm the gravy train. Life is easy street. My life is a bed of roses, which I've never figured that one out because a bed of roses is full of thorns. But at any rate, I guess they're looking at the pretty part of that. Um, a while back, my kids sent a Christmas card. This is from my second daughter and her husband and their uh, gorgeous children, of course. And they sent this Christmas card, and it says, It's a Wonderful Life. And I looked at the card. I said, yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and so oftentimes when life is going well, we, we hear these, these phrases. Um, and I think God has for you and I this sweet life to be experienced, this wonderful life uh, to ex be experienced. And that's what I'm going to talk with you on uh, a few moments today. Um, years ago, I was a recipient of this subscription to Golf Digest. Uh, this was back in my days when I was at uh, uh, New Hope in Williston. And I don't remember who even gave it to me or why. Um, I surely didn't ask for it. Maybe they played golf with me once and thought he needs some help. Um, my favorite sport's basketball. And I always said when I got to, too old to play basketball, I guess I'll take up golf. So when I moved here, that day was upon me. I was too old for basketball. So I took up golf. Golf, by its nature, is a very frustrating sport. Uh, I don't know how many of you grew up playing baseball. I'm going to talk for baseball for a moment. Did any of grow, anybody grow up playing baseball? Here. None of you did? I thought everybody in the United States plays baseball. Girls play softball, guys play baseball, right? And I, I remember playing baseball growing up and, and, until I had to make a decision whether I wanted to play a different sport during that season or not, which I gladly did. Baseball, you know, you'd get the ball hit and you hit the what spot every now and then? The sweet spot, right? And it would go like crazy. What happens when you hit the ball right here? You want to just drop the bat. Ah, stingers. You hit stingers. And, and oftentimes, you know, you hit that stinger, and, it, and that, that's kind of your memory of, of, uh, of uh, baseball is that it wasn't that fun. That's my memory anyway. Um, but every now and then you hit the sweet spot, and it kind of keeps you coming back. Well, golf's kind of like that. It is a sport designed to frustrate the average American. Think about it. This is a four-foot-long stick. And you have this tiny little spot here that you have to hit the ball on. And the ball is this big, right? It's tiny. And, and, and by and large, it's very hard to hit the sweet spot. Well, I was reading this article here was telling us how to hit the sweet spot every single time. By the way, have you ever golfed with your wife or husband? <laughs> I'm trying not to look at my wife right now. <laughs> That'll tell you if you have a good marriage or not. So one time, Vicky and I decided it might be good to golf together, right? Because I golf, and she thought, oh, I'll golf with you, then we could do this together. And so, bless her heart, she's super gifted when it comes to running. She's fast. Uh, Eye-hand coordination, mm, 
a little challenging. So she's going up, she's addressing the golf ball, right? And she's going to hit it off the tee. We talked about this. And she takes this big monster swing. She's super flexible. Hits the golf ball. I'm standing behind her here, so I figure that's safe. Right between her legs, the ball goes like this. Right at me. And I thought, huh. So I can't say anything, though, because I was teeing off a few holes later. And she was kind of in front of me and, and to the left. And I said, you're fine. I'll never hit you. She said, no, I better stand behind this tree. The tree was like about 10 inches wide. So there she is standing behind this tree. And I thought, I'll never hit her. And I just nailed that ball into that tree. I mean, you're talking a line drive about six feet off the ground. I pulled it really bad and smacked the tree right where she was standing. And I thought, I don't know if we should golf together. This just doesn't seem like it's working out real well. <laughs> so now she walks with me while I golf, just, which is more safe. Um, but golf is kind of a frustrating sport. So anyway, this article that I read talked about how to hit a sweet spot, sweet spot essentials. And when I read it, I thought, this is a perfect sermon. I can't golf, but this is good teaching teaching material, you know, for, for how to live a spiritual life. So I'm going to share this with you today. This is going to be our outline for how to experience the sweet life in the Lord Jesus Christ, how to hit the sweet spot. So here are sweet spot essentials according to Golf Digest, and you're going to see this really applies to us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. One, you need to adopt a training approach. You have to know the fundamentals and put them into practice. Now, I'm going to expand on how this applies to our life with Jesus in just a moment. Two, there's a place for mechanics. But at some point, it has to become natural. It just has to become natural, becoming how you do what you do. And my favorite point of all was this. Embrace and enjoy the journey. Embrace and enjoy the journey. I golf with a lot of different people, and some of them never seem to have any fun. I think, why are you doing this? If it's that painful, just quit. It's just golf. Who cares, right? But when it comes to our life in Jesus Christ, we need to embrace and enjoy the journey that God has us on. So here's a question to begin to engage you this morning. Do you want to hit the sweet spot in your relationship with Jesus? Do you want to hit the sweet spot in your relationship with Jesus? Because I'm going to tell you something that's really, really fundamental here. If I don't like to golf, I'm probably not going to train very hard. It's never going to become natural for me, and I'm not going to embrace or enjoy the journey I'm on. Same with basketball or football or tennis or baseball or any sport you could name. Soccer, I'm seeing, <laughs> wanting to be inclusive here. If I forgot your sport, I still love you. Um... If we're going to really embrace the training that the Lord has for us, if we're really going to become one to have a natural expression of faith, if we're going to, you know, embrace and enjoy the journey uh, that, that is part of that faith adventure, then we have to really, 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 really want to hit the sweet spot in our relationship with Jesus. So it all begins there. So where are you at this morning? Do you want to hit the sweet spot in your relationship with Jesus? Because if you do, listen to what I'm going to share with you. It's really going to be helpful this morning. Let's talk about experiencing the sweet life in Jesus. You need to let Jesus in the Bible train you. 
It starts there. You need to let Jesus in the Bible train you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 tell us this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Training is essential for hitting the sweet life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, training is very different from trying. Training is participating in the disciplines that prepare you to do in the future what you cannot do today. Did you get that? Training is participating in those disciplines that prepare you to do in the future what you cannot do today. This is the groundwork, I think, to experiencing the sweet life in Jesus Christ. Now, disciplines that we need to begin to train in are are, are probably some well-known to you. Some that I'm going to share today aren't so well-known to you, but it's like prayer and reading your Bible, meditating on Scripture, finding a life verse that applies to you, uh, memorizing Scripture, fasting, Pastor Aaron talked about it today, like when we give, like we have this moment of giving today, where we do offering, it is an opportunity for you to still yourself before the Lord, and as you give money to the Lord, you give yourself to the Lord, it is a moment of declaring my dependence on God, that is training, friends, that is training that we're going through, we're constantly being trained, you get what I'm saying here, and how we approach our lives, now, let me get to another analogy. One of these analogies will eventually hit home with one of you. But say you're going to run a marathon. How many of you want to run a marathon? Nobody wants to run a marathon hardly. Oh, yes. All right. Would you just try really hard? You think you could run the 26 plus miles if you try really hard? No one, hardly anyone can do that. There is a few God-given freaks of nature that could go out and run a marathon without training for it. But for the rest of us mere mortals, right, we would train and we would train rigorously if we're going to even stand a chance of completing that thing. And so training might look like this. You might begin the first week and your goal is just to be able to run two miles without stopping. Maybe by the weekend you get to that goal. Then the next week it might be three miles. And then by the end of the first month, maybe you're doing a five-miler in there or a seven-miler in there every now and then, right? And you work up to the point where you can run a marathon. But you can't run a marathon by merely saying, I'm going to be determined and try really hard. There's where we err with our Christianity a lot. We think, I just need to try harder. No, maybe you need to train more. Maybe you need to do the spiritual disciplines that God's calling you to do so that you're prepared then to run the marathon that's called this Christian life and experience the sweet life he has for you. But let me talk with you on what these disciplines look like, maybe expanding them just a little bit more. I want you to think on a couple of these thoughts because I think this will help you see what I mean by participating in in disciplines that God has for us. Here's one that I don't think is often thought of. But this is essential to hitting the sweet spot in Jesus Christ. Obedience in the right direction over a long time is essential for your success as a follower of God. Did you hear that? Obedience in the right direction over a long time is just essential for you as a follower of God. We see this kind of principle laid out over and over in the Bible. For instance, if we go to the story of Noah, this very kind of discipline is seen in this saint's life. God called Noah to build an ark. And this was no small endeavor. This was going to take a long time. 
And, and, and he was to build this ark 300 cubics long, 50 cubics wide, 30 cubics high. That's just a big boat. And here's a summary of Noah's response. It's found in Genesis 6, verse 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. There you go. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And therefore, he experienced salvation from the watery judgment as he and his family could enter into the ark. Now, get this time frame. Noah built the ark in holy fear over a span of many, many, many years. We're told that he was 500 years old when he had his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, in Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 6, God tells Noah, build an ark for himself and his sons and his wives. So Noah began building that ark sometime after he was 500 years old, maybe 530, 540, we don't know, okay? When he was 600 years old, that's when he was told, according to Genesis chapter 7, to, to enter into the ark because the judgment was going to transpire. So for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it was, he built this ark. That is obedience in the right direction over the long haul. Amen? And because Noah was faithful that way, he experienced what I would call the sweet life in God. He experienced God's salvation firsthand. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus is called our ark. And you and I are to enter into that ark of salvation. We're to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will save us from our sins. Amen, right? He will save us from the judgment of God. And what we're supposed to understand is like Noah built into the ark and put his whole life into the ark. We, we are called to do the very same thing uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to build our lives into Jesus Christ. And to have obedience over a long time in the right direction. That is a discipline of training. And as you do so, you experience the sweet life in God. Here's a second thing I think we need to really begin to do in our lives. Now, this is in addition to those basics like prayer and fasting, reading the Bible, meditating on God's word, uh, memorizing God's word, uh, giving, and, you know, all those kinds of things. This is in addition to this. The one who is being trained will do frequent evaluations of his or her life. So evaluated experience leads to an elevated life. Evaluated experience leads to an elevated life. We saw this principle put forth in our Roman study we just did. For example, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, we're told this by the Apostle Paul. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What Paul was doing was some evaluated experience that would lead to an elevated life. Too many of us just do life. We have experiences, but they're not evaluated at all. And so all we are is getting older with a lot of experience that's doing us no earthly or heavenly good. Because the only experience that does you any good is if it's evaluated, amen? And so if you want to become a person that's in training, becoming who you're meant to become in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will begin to evaluate your life experiences so that you can have an elevated kind of life lived. Amen? You follow what I'm saying here? This is, to me, very, very fundamental to living the sweet life that God calls us to live. Paul said, I consider our present suffering is not worth comparing with the glory that will reveal in us. He didn't just go through the sufferings. He just didn't live life. He said, I'm in this hard thing. I'm experiencing this hard thing. But he's telling everybody, it's not even comparable to the glory that we're going to experience. 
So he saw through that experience to what God was up to, and it elevated his understanding of life. I'm going to return to this idea, by the way, at the end of the year. I'm going to talk about how incredibly important it is to have evaluated experiences in your life, whether they be good or whether they be bad. So when you think of 2019, you could even begin this process now. What good things really happened to you and how did that affect you? What things were really hard and how did that affect you? And how are you coming out the other side and going into 2020 a different person because of it? Amen? That's training, my friends. That's letting your experiences train you. Now, here's the objective training. Training is not the goal. By no means is it the goal. I mean, if training was a goal, help us, right? I remember as a young person, I used to train for the sport I was participating in. So for basketball, you do all kinds of running and exercising or football, right? And so there was always that goal. Now as I've gotten older, now I just train just so I don't die young. <laughs> it's not as fun. It's not as fun to sit there and run on the treadmill and go, I'm just running so I feel better, I think. You know, it's, it's, I've lost the game aspect of it all. But, but again, the, 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 the goal isn't even in that. You know, the training is still not the goal. The training is something else. And boy, is this true in our spiritual lives. Training is not the goal. The objective is to become like Jesus. It's to look like Jesus. We train to look, look more and more like Jesus, spiritually speaking. That's why all the things I just shared with you are so important here in this regard this morning when it comes to training. It's to produce Christ-likeness in us. So that's the first point of experiencing the good life. Let's move on to the second point. You need to get to a spiritual understanding and interaction with life where faith has become the natural response to whatever you face. It becomes the natural response to how you face life. So I jokingly said this, but I was serious. I always said, when I got too old to play basketball, I'd pick up golf. Golf is super awkward. I watch a lot of people who've never golfed try to take a swing, and I just laugh. It's hilarious. It's not intuitive. It's not natural. And, and here's the thing, though. After you golf now, I've golfed sort of serious. I never take it too serious because it's just golf. Amen? So... It's not natural to swing, and it's not natural to throw your weight in your front foot. A lot of people like to stand on the back foot, hit like this. They'll never hit the ball anywhere. It's hilarious because you have no power. All your power comes from your big butt hips, amen? Not from your tiny little arms, no matter how buff you guys are. Some of you are pretty buff. It all comes to swinging your hips and your rear end through the ball and all that kind of stuff. It's just not intuitive. It's not the way you naturally do stuff unless you're really good at dancing or something. I don't know. Anyway, you want to get to the point in your walk in the Lord Jesus Christ where your natural response to whatever comes in your direction is that of faith. It's just who you are and it's how you react. We see this Exampled for us in Hebrews chapter 11, all these ancient ones were commended for their great natural response of faith to whatever situation they were facing, whether it be Noah or Moses or Abraham or David. All these great faith examples in Hebrews chapter 11, they were all commended because they faced life with an attitude and response of faith. And as Hebrews 11 said, many of them died 
Many of them died without experiencing the promises of God, yet they died faithful ones. Like physical training builds muscle memory, spiritual training builds this kind of spiritual memory, this natural response of faith. And, and, and that's when you're hitting the sweet spot in life. Amen? It's what ever happens to you, your first and natural inclination is to trust in the Lord God. And this faith is not without help, of course, because reliance upon the Holy Spirit is essential to faith that is powerful. And so our natural response should be a faith that's reliant upon the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So our natural response should be that of faith with a reliance upon the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to point number three. This is my favorite point here uh, of what it means to hit the sweet life in Jesus. You need to embrace and enjoy the adventure that God has for you. God has a journey for each one of us here this morning, and we need to begin to be people who say, God, bring it on. I embrace what you want to do in my life. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, we're told that Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he chose to be mistreated with God's people. In fact, here's what it says in Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 28. Listen to this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh. Daughter, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking forward to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. What an adventure. I, I look at Moses. What an adventure he embarked upon because he embraced God's plan for his life. I mean, he got to lead the people of Israel out of their bondage to Egypt. He got to experience the 10 plagues. Can you imagine? He got to experience the first Passover. He got to experience walking through the Red Sea on dry land. I mean, he got to experience a pillar of smoke leading him by the day and a pillar of fire leading him by night. This is pretty cool stuff. He got to go to the mountaintop. And he got to receive the Ten Commandments of God because he refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter's son and instead chose God's plan for his life. You hit the sweet spot in life. You hit the sweet life in Jesus when you embrace the journey he has for you. But more than just embracing the journey, I think we're called to enjoy it, to revel in it, to just be in awe of what God's doing in our lives. I think one life that really hit the sweet spot in the New Testament was John the Apostle. I love John the Apostle. Imagine you're John the Apostle. You get the awesome, awesome privilege of being inspired by the person of the Holy Spirit to write the Gospel of John. And he gets to the end of the gospel, and he says this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for that book that would be written. And I love it. He gets done with this gospel, and he goes, whoa, God is so big. God is so enormous. Christ is so large. The whole world couldn't contain the volumes that could be written about him. That's a man that's enjoying his life 
in Christ. Enjoy the journey God has you on. And if you're not, ask him to grace you to do that. I love what Pastor Aaron did to take us to that moment of quiet reflection today. And it's basically a moment of recounting and being thankful for what God has done and stilling ourselves before him and, and revisiting those things and recounting those things and rejoicing those things. You know what that is? That's calling us to enjoy the journey that we're on. Over the last few years, Vicki and I have had a lot of opportunities to visit national parks, and you all know that. We love to hike. If you've been around here, you know that. And uh, recently we went to San Diego. It was tough, tough to go to San Diego and leave here. It was like 92 one day, I think, in the desert when we were there, and 75 most days, and I think it was a little cooler back here. And enjoying the sun, but we hiked and we took that opportunity. I went there for a conference, but we took that opportunity to kind of just enjoy the, the countryside and do some of those kinds of things together. Um, and she asked me a question a while back which park have we visited that was your favorite? Yeah, and I thought, whoa. She sent that to me, and I had to think about it for a while. I think it was the Grand Tetons and Zion National Park, those two parks. I couldn't nail it down to one. They were just so good, they were just so much fun. And you know what started happening? I started smiling as I thought about it. I started enjoying the moment as I revisited it, what we had experienced there. It was just kind of a, a, a moment of joy. And I thought, you know, Jesus, that's what you want us to do in you. You want us to revisit often the good things you've done for us. You want us to revisit and see those sights again anew that you've done for us. You want us to be thankful. You want us to enjoy the journey that we're on. You want us to recount the many blessings that you bestowed upon us. The, the, and you want us to even to recount the tribulations that we've gone through, the hard things we've gone through, but how we've come out the other side knowing you better and more relying upon you than ever. Amen? And we have to begin to enjoy the journey we're on. Do you enjoy the journey you're on? Are you marveling at what God is doing in your life? I want to give you a little bit of a caveat here. This is a perspective. God-pleasing faith will involve some risk. And part of the enjoyment, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, it's part of the enjoyment in following the Lord Jesus Christ is beginning to be more dependent on him and losing some control of your life and taking some risks that are way beyond what you can do and experiencing God moving in your life in ways that you could never, ever accomplish in your own strength. I stand before you today and testify to you, there's no way I imagined this moment in my life ever when I was young. No, I did, it wasn't even on my radar screen. It wasn't even something I could conceptualize. In fact, it wasn't even something I was really thinking I'd do ever. And that's kind of how God works in our life. But there's risks. At some point, we have to just trust him and go out of our comfort zone, amen, and take some chances and, and step out into places that we can't control and we can't manage and trust that God is up to something in our lives that way beyond our natural capability and our natural comprehension and begin to just really take some risks. It's sharing that word that Jesus lays in your heart. It's being in tune with the Holy Spirit when he says, say something to this person or, or do something for this person. And you just respond and say, okay. I, and, and it may seem like craziness, but God is in that thing, amen? And he does something through you that you could never even imagine that he would do through you. 
Amen. <laughs> I believe the Lord is calling us to live lives that are risky in him. And I believe he's calling some of you to go back to your biological families, maybe where you have been rejected or maybe whatever has been going on, even if it hasn't been good. And I'm thinking he's saying to you, bring me to your family. I remember the very first thing that happened to me as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ was I had this burden on my heart for my biological family. I had to share Jesus with them. Even if they didn't receive it, I had to do that. And maybe God's calling you some of you to do that, and that's going to be really risky for you. Maybe God is calling some of you to, you know what? Become really equipped and become really trained and then launch your life differently. Do your work differently. Do your marriage differently. Do your friendships differently. Do your interactions with other people differently. Be an ambassador for Jesus Christ and begin to live this thing called faith just very much on purpose and very much directed and, and counting on God to do things in you. But take some risks. And here's some conclusion I want us to come to this morning. May we all come to the end of our days and conclude, I have lived a life in Jesus and I have no regrets. No regrets whatsoever. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord God, I want to thank you for this opportunity, even to use a golf digest, so to speak, to outline a, a message. A message I think that's very, very, very applicable and biblical for us this morning. Lord, I want to pray for some of us today, no matter if we're early on in our journey, maybe we've been hanging around for 40, 50 years in our journey, wherever we be today, I pray that we would truly adopt the training mindset, that we would embrace these spiritual disciplines. Lord, that we would understand that some of those disciplines are basic, like reading your Bible, praying, doing some fasting, Lord, giving, serving, being in an accountability group, whatever it would look like, Lord. I pray we begin to train. But then I pray our training would take on more of a whole life kind of attitude where we see that you're calling us, Lord, to obedience in the right direction over a long time. And God, that in and of itself will bring us to new areas of our life that we could never imagine when we begin it. And Lord, I know that you're, you're calling uh, uh, some of us uh, to really begin to evaluate our experiences so that we can begin to experience more of an elevated life in you, Jesus. So grace us this way, would you, Lord, this morning? And I pray for any that don't know you today, Lord, that maybe today would be the day that they just start this wonderful journey and begin to be trained in you to live life entirely differently. So for such a one, Lord, that maybe is new to faith or maybe is contemplating faith this morning in you, Jesus, I pray today they would just say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Just that simply, Jesus, I want to follow you. I give you my life today. Today is the day that everything begins anew. I pray someone would take that step this morning, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray we become very natural uh, in our response to whatever we face in life, that, that the natural response would be that of faith, I should say. That we would just, it would be, we're so trained up in that, we're thinking that way, there's this spiritual muscle memory going on, that no matter what we face, we just respond in faith. And God, I thank you for the journey you've called each person to this morning. And I pray that each one of us here this day would embrace that journey just like Moses, Moses embraced your plan for his life. Lord, I pray that everybody here would embrace the plan you have for their life, Lord, and that we would enjoy it, that we would marvel in it, we'd revel in it. We would, we would just look at you frequently and go, wow, 
is God good and God great? And that we'd have that perspective just kind of percolating all the time within our soul, Lord. So that we get to the end of our days and we have no regrets, Lord. That life has been a life lived well for your glory, Jesus. I pray that for us as a, as a church today. Now, too, Lord, I, I want to just pray for this next moment we're going to enter into after the song, Lord, of, of fellowship and, and a meal. Um, God, I pray that that meal would be a blessing to those uh, who will participate. May you bless the food to our bodies this morning and bless the time, Lord, uh, together. May there be true fellowship and, and, and sharing. May it be a time where we give thanks to you, Lord, and kind of still our souls, like Pastor Aaron was saying, before the busyness of this next week and or two, Lord, or month and bleeding up to Christmas. It just gets crazy this time of year. I pray there would just be this moment of quiet reflection, gathering, and fellowship in you, Jesus, to your glory. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus, and all God's people said.